Hello everybody and once again welcome to the brand new state-of-the-art comprehensive go-to spot for all you new seeking Hersioskis out there. My name is Carter Zagorski and I'm extremely excited to act as this podcast's inaugural host. Today is Friday, January 25th and as a refresher, this program is our school's first official venture into the podcasting universe and will cover all things Hersey throughout this school year and for years to come. We're recording inside our new studio within room 138 and today's fifth episode in the history of the hall features two amazing students who walk the halls of Hersey High School, senior Susan Schmidt, an executive producer of The Dispatch, and Josh Ho, a junior who has had a hand in a variety of projects, including the entertainment section, politics section, and food sections of the monthly edition of The Correspondent by Dispatch, as well as roles in the production of live broadcasts and recording footage for video content. Susan and Josh joined me yesterday to discuss the nominations for the Oscars, the famed annual award show for those in the film industry, a field both of these talented students aspire to work in someday. In the conversation, we talked about the nominees for many of the notable categories, the future of film as a whole, and the controversy over, at this point in time, the lack of a host of the hours-long award show, among many other subjects. Here's the recording of the conversation we had yesterday. All right, everyone, we're recording here on a Thursday in the studio, and we here at The Howl are very excited to be joined by two amazing guests within the Dispatch program, uh, Junior Josh Ho and Senior Susan, Susan Schmidt, um, two very important key cogs in the Dispatch success, very influential in our entertainment section among the various uh, Dispatch roles that they have here. And uh, our today's topic, of course, the Oscars, very exciting, the uh, capstone on a movie uh, season. Quite a uh, plentiful and exciting season. And uh, to start off, Susan, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Oscars and that entire process? So the Oscars is made up of an academy. It's called the Academy Awards, of course. And um, when doing Oscar predictions, it's really important to take into account who is the academy. And basically, the academy is the industry. So it's different from some of the other award shows like the Golden Globes, which is the Foreign Press um, Association or like the critics. These are not critics. They are people in the industry. And um, there's about 5,000 members, and you have to be nominated to get into it. And usually the, there's a good portion of the people in the academy who were nominated in the past or have won academy awards. Um, and every year there's a new nomination, so more people come in. And... Uh, when you are in the Academy, you vote for the category you're in and Best Picture. So say you're a sound mixer, you would vote for sound mixing and Best Picture. Sounds pretty important, that that distinction between only voting for the ones that you specialize in as opposed to all the categories. So you know uh, with these nominations that we're going to come up and talk about in a few minutes and ultimately the winners, that the winners are chosen by uh, experts in the field and that's coming direct from the source and uh, the votes and everything can be trusted. Um, so it's going to be definitely an exciting time. Josh, you want to add anything on this uh, whole uh, context of the Oscars? I mean, I think, think Susan I hit it pretty. Su Susan covered right it pretty well. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's get into it. All right, so our very first category we're going to talk about now is actor in a supporting role. This is one of the uh, top five, I would say, just from my uh, preliminary limited experience with uh, the Oscars. One of the top five categories that people want to check into all the time and see how the uh, performances are going throughout the year and uh, really tune in on the Oscar night 
to see who ends up winning it. So, uh, Josh, why don't you give us a breakdown on actor in a supporting role? So, as we have for most of the categories, we have five nominees for Best Supporting Actor. First, we have Mahershala Ali, who's nominated for Green Book, Adam Driver from Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. Now, we have some newcomers here. I believe Sam Elliott, Adam Driver, and Richard E. Grant, this is their first nomination. However, Mahershala Ali and Sam Rockwell were nominated and actually won in previous years. Mahershala Ali won in 2016 for Moonlight, and Sam Rockwell won in 2017 for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm. A lot of experience in that uh, category, a lot of uh, reputable actors. Susan, uh, who do you think is going to come out of the supporting actor category, and from what movie? Um, it is like a, I think there are some good candidates in this one, but I do have to say I think it's going to be Mahersha Ali for Green Book. Um, he plays the penis Don Shirley in the movie, and he has one in the past. Also, He's currently on True Detective on HBO, mm. and a lot of the people that are going to be voting, I feel, have been watching that show. A lot of buzz around that show right now, and for sure. Yeah, and so that might definitely help his case. Um, but I also think Adam Driver, um, he was a, s- a scene stealer in the movie Black Klansman, but I don't know if he's going to match Ollie's performance. And many of our Hersey Huskies here are, uh, are big Star Wars fans as well. Adam Driver, wasn't he uh, one of the main characters in the recent Star Wars films? Yes, he played Kylo Ren. That's right, he did. Made a perf- an appearance on uh, SNL as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, for our listeners as well, we're of course going to talk about uh, these movies that all these actors and actresses are nominated from in detail later on when we get to Best Picture. Perhaps the, uh, the most interesting category of all of them and the most uh, noteworthy. But um, for those actors and actresses who aren't in movies... A part of Best Picture. Do you want to talk about those films at all? Um, Susan, why don't you start with any of our supporting actors here? Um, as far as supporting actors, uh, there is uh, um, Sam Elliott in A Star is Born. He is a pretty known guy in the industry. Um, I just don't think he's going to come off uh, with an award this year. What about you, Josh? Well, I've read some things that Richard E. Grant has an outside shot. I personally haven't seen Can You Ever Forgive Me, but I've heard great things about his performance. So I'd give him a slim chance at winning actor in a supporting role. But I'd have to agree with you and go with Mahershala Ali just because he won Best Supporting Actor at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes. I think he's the clear frontrunner for this. For our Hersey Huskies out there, I'd like to point out that these uh, these, uh, commentaries that you're getting right now, these expert commentaries from Josh and Susan, aren't just from, you know, People off the street. These are two figures in the media movie industry uh, with roles at AMC theaters right now. So they are constantly seeing new films all the time. Um, They really do know what they're talking about. And to hear a concession like that, like, oh, I haven't seen this movie yet. That's something uh, that I'm sure Josh will uh, correct in the next week or two when we come back with our second podcast on the Oscars after the Oscar, uh, you know, awards show. um, When we recap uh, all the information from that night. Um, but yeah, these two expert commentaries truly are from experts who have detailed experiences in the movie industry, um, looking for uh, roles after their time in Hersey High School in the field. And uh, with that, we're going to move on to our second category, actress in a supporting role. And uh, Josh, what do you think about the, uh, the candidates in that category? So for Best Supporting Actress, we have eight Amy Adams for Vice, Marina De Tavira for Roma, 
Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, and Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss for The Favorite. Um, I think this is going to be a tight race here. Um, if it was any other season, I feel like any of these actresses would have a good chance of taking home uh, the Oscar, but because they're all going against each other, it's it's tough. Who do, do you think is going to win? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It, it's a really tight race. Now, um, the, cl- the favorite right now would be Regina King because she won Best Supporting Actress at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes. But she did not get nominated by the Screen Actors Guild. And the favorite to win at the Screen Actors Guild is Amy Adams. So if she ends up winning that, I believe that award show is in a few weeks. And that could boost her chances of competing with Regina King for Best Supporting Actress. And so between the two of you, have either of you seen If Beale Street Could Talk, the, the film itself? I did see that. I saw it last weekend. It was very good. Directed by Barry Jenkins, who directed the Best Picture winner, Moonlight. And it, it was really good. And Regina King played um, the main character, Tish's mom. And she did a really good job in that role. What are your thoughts on perhaps, and we'll hit more on this a little bit later, but on perhaps the, the film's snub from Best Picture? That, that snub was disappointing to me because usually when you win Best Picture, as Barry Jenkins did, a few years ago, that gains you more respect in the mm-hmm. industry, and I feel like that give If Beale Street Could Talk a nomination. Especially since Best Picture, you can nominate up to 10 movies, and the Academy decided to only nominate eight. I feel like If Beale Street Could Talk should have taken at least one of the spots there. Mm. Susan, any predictions in this category? Um, Sticking I with uh, Amy Adams, I think you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I also agree that Regina King has a good chance of oh, winning that's right. this. that's right, of course. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like Amy Adams also did a really good job. And uh, the two girls in The Favorite, they also kind of Yeah, Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz were fantastic in The Favorite. But one thing I think is is hurting them is that they're both in the same movie. So that the two of them being supporting actresses, it kind of takes away from their individual performance. And I don't know if a single one of the performances is good enough to win the Best Supporting Actress Award. Sweet. And that brings us to our next category, actor in a leading role. Josh, do you want to hit on the candidates and then uh, hit on your prediction for this category? Sure. So we have a very stacked category. We have Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Now, personally, I, th- I think this race comes down to Christian Bale and Rami Malek. They both won the Best Actor Award at the Golden Globes. Rami won Best Actor in a Drama, and Christian Bale won Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. However, I'd have to give the edge to Christian Bale this one because he won Best Actor at the Critics' Choice Awards. Susan, what do you think? I also agree this is going to be tight between uh, Rami Malek and Christian Bale. Um, but I'm going to have to favor Rami on this one. I definitely think... He had the better performance. He had more of a challenge, I think, having to portray Freddie Mercury, who's very much so like an iconic figure. And Christian Bale, he did a great job. I don't like have anything against it, but I think his portrayal of um, Dick Cheney was a lot of makeup. Um, everyone who walked out of that theater was saying, oh, I didn't know that was Christian Bale. But I think that wasn't completely on his part. Um, And Rami Malek had to do some crazy things to take on this role, like learning how to play the piano and 
walk and um, move like Freddie Mercury. And so he also did the accent and all that. So I'm hoping the Academy comes through and votes for Rami, but I don't know. There's a lot of controversy with Bohemian Rhapsody, which we'll probably get into later. So that might hurt him too. So it sounds like both of you are uh, considering Bradley Cooper to be an underdog in this race. Um, and he's quite an interesting character, though. With uh, He was both the uh, lead actor and, of course, the cultural uh, seismic movie, A Star is Born, really uh, shattering expectations in the box office, as well as, you know, all the, the viewers with, of course, the performance by Lady Gaga, who we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but what are your thoughts on him being snubbed for a director in that category? Either of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's a shame. I feel like he definitely should have been nominated as a director, and I feel like people thought he was going to. So it was a very interesting snub, especially for, uh, yeah, I believe it was his directorial debut, and it was it was really good. Like, the direction... It was quite good. <laughs> quite good, yes. Star One was receiving rave reviews, and I believe it's still in theaters now, even though it came out quite a long time ago. So I feel like he definitely should have gotten a nomination there. Yeah, I do agree off of that. Also, there was talks about um, the Cold War director. Mm. Um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so I apologize. Powell um, Powaski. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, um, they were wondering why that director was nominated versus Bradley Cooper. So I agree. I think he might have got snubbed. All right, cool. Moving on to actress in a leading role. Um, what are your thoughts on the candidates, Susan, and then make a prediction? Um, so the candidates for actress in a leading role are um, Glenn Close, the wife, Olivia Coleman, the favorite, Lady Gaga, Star is Born, Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me, and... Yalitza Aparicio. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to pronounce nice. that right. Good so. teamwork. <laughs> um... This one I also think is a close race between um, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, and even possibly Lady Gaga. Um, overall, I think Glenn Close might take home the award for the night since she has won not just the Golden Globe but tied with Lady Gaga at the Critics' Choice Awards, as well as she has currently three Tonys and three Emmys multiple Oscar nominations, but no wins. Mm. So if she wins this Oscar, that will give her the triple crown of acting, which is like only like maybe like two dozen sure. people have accomplished that. So I think that might be something the Academy is looking at. Um, yeah, I definitely up. agree Sorry, with you, question. Susan. I definitely agree with you that Glenn Close, she, she's such a huge figure in the industry that I feel like because the Academy is made up of the industry that they'd like to pay their dues and give her the best actress oscar so you brought up the uh, the tie that she experienced earlier in this award season is there any potential that that happens with the uh the five thousand members of the academy uh however many vote in this category is there any chance that happens here i personally do not think so because i've never seen a tie there might have been one in the past but not one recently and when watching the critics choice awards i realized there's a couple um categories that tied so that might have been i don't know much about the critics choice awards so that might have been more of that kind of thing. Um, I do want to mention uh, Glenn Close took home the Golden Globe instead of Lady Gaga. Mm. And I do want to mention that 
Lady Gaga um, losing that globe that night. Um, she did not uh, compose herself well after that loss. Mm. And yeah. That might damage her prospects at the Oscar. Uh, really quickly, do we think that Lady Gaga has a, uh, a bright future in acting? Or uh, do you think this is a one-time thing with The Star is Born and the, the huge role that she took on? Um, that's a good question. Um, it was her big debut, um, and she did a phenomenal job to get an Oscar nominee right off the bat. It was pretty impressive. Um, I don't know. I don't know where she is in her music career either, so I don't know if I c- the best to say. Yeah, it was definitely a phenomenal debut by Lady Gaga. Um, and I'd definitely like to see her try some more acting roles, especially since in A Star is Born, she kind of played a role that she was familiar with, playing a singer. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like reflecting her own experience. Definitely. But she, she knocked that out of the park. So I'd like to see her try maybe a role she's less comfortable with, but sure. she definitely has a lot of potential. Cool. And moving on to perhaps the granddaddy of them all, this is Best Picture. Um, Josh, you want to give us an overview of the category and then uh, hit on your prediction? Yes. So for Best Picture, we have eight nominees. We have Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Now my prediction for Best Picture, it's really a toss-up for me between Green Book and Roma, but um, Green Book's been in a little bit of trouble recently. Their uh, screenwriter has gotten in some hot water for, I believe, some old tweets that resurfaced, and their director has some assault cases, I believe accusations against him so i'd have to give the edge to roma which has been largely drama free leading up to this oscars race and it's been receiving lots of buzz it's available on netflix if you viewers want to check it out um so i'd have to give the edge to roma how about you susan um it's it's an interesting collection of movies i do have to put that out there um having black panther a big blockbuster superhero movie nominated um it's interesting to see uh, the Academy broaden what they think is worthy of Academy Award. Um, so I think that might affect the outcome. I do agree Roma has a good chance of winning. Um, it leads with the favorite with most nominations, which is 10. Um, it is also the first Netflix movie to have uh, Best Picture nominee. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and... Uh, I think that might possibly hurt them in a way, being a Netflix movie. Um, that's something out of the Academy's comfort. And um, I saw a headline saying that theaters banned it from being part of the 24-hour Best Picture Marathon. Oh, wow. So uh, that puts some, I don't know. So yeah, so a couple of years ago, in 2016, Manchester by the Sea was, of course, produced by Amazon. That was their big foray into the uh, the, the movie industry. Netflix now, with their uh, Roma, getting nommed for Best Picture. I mean, that's got to make a lot of shockwaves, as you hit on in the industry. Uh, do you think we'll ever see... Um, or, let me rephrase. How many more Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime films do you think we're going to see uh, really playing a role in the uh, award season in the next five to ten years? And uh, do you think that they're ultimately going to dominate the uh, the status quo in Hollywood right now? Josh, what do you think? Well, I think if you take a look at the industry as a whole, we're moving more and more towards the streaming era. It's true. 
And so I believe we're, we're, it's just going to keep going up from here. We'll see more high-quality movies with big actors and big directors wanting to attach themselves to projects with the streaming services. Because when you have like the traditional Hollywood movies, you still have to pay for a ticket. Viewers have to make that conscious choice to spend money to go see that movie in a theater. But by having these films on streaming services, the word of mouth can spread much quicker. And they go, oh, check that out on Netflix, and they can see that right away and there's more immediacy there so i believe we'll see more and more and more streaming service movies in best picture in the future susan what do you think about the creativity that these online platforms offer the the more room to really explore as a uh, a person inside the industry if you were a director or something to have more time to uh, create perhaps your, your passion project with a film like that as opposed to the current industry yeah i think um I think these streaming sites, we've already seen it with uh, TV shows. The, this past Emmys that went by um, was the most nominations for things on uh, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon than actual, like, cable uh, channels. So I definitely see the industry moving that way. And also I remember reading something about how um, actors are enjoying um, doing movies with these yes. uh, streaming Mm-hmm. websites because um they i don't know they like have more f- time or more freedom and it's not as conf- like confined to a certain time period where it needs to get out at a certain time and place so i think they do have a little more freedom with this and i can see it moving there so really quickly we're going to hit on this category this is our next category that we're going to talk about but um black panther being nominated for the uh um, the the Best Picture uh, award, perhaps many people are considering not even to be the best superhero movie this season, and many people attributing that honor to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was actually nominated an animated feature, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, but what do we uh, think about Black Panther and the the cultural role that it, ha- it has really had in the movie theaters across the nation? Uh, the future of the movie industry really being disrupted in a positive way. Uh, through the role of uh, promoting minorities, of course, and uh, the success that it had as a result in the box office. How, uh, how do we think that'll impact uh, movies in the future? I think that'll he- heavily impact movies in the future. I believe Black Panther was the first superhero movie nominated for Best Picture. Yes. And I believe the last one that ha- got serious consideration for getting no- nominated was The Dark Knight in 2008, and there was outrage over that movie not getting nominated mm. for a Best Picture spot, which is what prompted the Academy to expand the nominations from 8 to 10. But Black Panther, of course, being deserving of this spot, for sure, right? Not I'm so for sure, a little controversial. I, I see the cultural impact. It definitely had a huge cultural impact. And it, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, it was a good film, but I could think of a few other movies that I believe should have gotten a Best Picture nomination over Black Panther, namely If Beale Street Could Talk and First Man. Mm. But, yeah, it's it's been a hotly contested subject ever since the nominations came out. And so, I do yeah, like to mention, yeah, um, I think this might also have to do with um, over the years Academy has been losing viewership. Mm -hmm. Um, with the ceremony and so this year uh, they earlier discussed um, bringing in best achievement in popular film Mm. to bring in more of your average Joe viewers that just go to the movies once in a while Um, and I think Black Panther might have something to do with that it was a popular film and instead of doing best achievement in popular film I feel like they pushed some of these uh, more blockbuster movies but 
Um, I think the Academy is staring away from its traditional view of just independent films, and uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it might hurt them in the chance of running because the Academy still looks down at these, like, um, very, like, uh, I don't know, um, blockbuster hits. Mm. And so you brought up the uh, the average Joe viewer, and uh, one of the ways to bring them in is, of course, nominating these uh, very large blockbuster films. But uh, if you're an average Joe viewer this year, one of the things you're not going to be seeing, at least by this point today, is, of course, Thursday, January 24th, is a host of the award show. Right now, the Oscars are hostless after Kevin Hart announced he will step down from his position as 2019 Oscars host. Um Past hosts, of course, include Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Chris Rock, Neil Patrick Harris, and even Donald Duck, I'm realizing, in 1958. Yes, he co-hosted the Oscars. Do we truly believe that there will be no host for the Oscars this year, or do we think that someone will come through in the end and uh, take on the position? I think it is too short of a notice now to have someone um, show up to the and take on the role publicly, but maybe if that's their plan to like have someone like like surprise day of that this person's actually hosting um, Oscars of course are exactly one month away on February 24th yeah Just to throw that out there um I don't know it's an interesting topic um last time the Oscars went hostless was in 1989 and it opened up with an unnamed actress dressed as Snow White singing an 11 minute musical parody well that's fun um <laughs> now how well that went I'm I don't know um but uh, they've had a struggle trying to find someone to host, and that's because apparently it has like it is like the worst gig in Hollywood, saying people are risking everything in return for absolutely nothing. So with no one wanting to host, following the Kevin Hart controversy, um, I think it it's a tricky subject. But I have heard that uh, Whoopi Goldberg Berg, wanted to host and. They, like, turned her down. Interesting. Um, really? See, I haven't heard of anyone actually publicly coming out with an announcement saying that they would want to host. So that's news to me. And for them to turn it down, that's also quite shocking. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I haven't heard a lot of buzz on the them trying to find a replacement for Kevin Hart. So at this rate, as we're a month away from the Oscars, I find it highly unlikely that we're going to have a host but like Susan said, if they want to do like a surprise, they could, but then mm -hmm. they'd have to shoot a lot of promotional videos really quickly and be a, yeah. a tight turnaround. But it's ex exciting to see what will happen. Um, also, John Mulaney and Nick Kroll was campaigning on their Instagram and Twitter. Very <laughs> upset that that didn't go through because that would have been, they would have done a phenomenal job. Um, and as far as if they want to just, I know there have been talks about them relying on their A-listers of like audience members, but I think that's a, I think that's going to be risky because to pull someone out of the audience and have them read a teleprompter, like especially if it's a joke or something. Sure. Comedy is all about uh, timing, and yep. just because they're actors doesn't make them comedians. Um, so it might be just kind of an awkward situation. You know when you watch and some presenter goes on and you're like, wow, this is kind of cringy. <laughs> that might be the whole night. Especially um, the host is there to usually for the big opening monologue and just check in periodically and also rebound from any unexpected things. Mm -hmm. So just imagine uh, a few years ago, the La La Land 
situation. Yep. Imagine if Jimmy Kimmel wasn't there to come on stage, make a joke on about it, and like keep the show going, and like that would have been awkward if there was no host mm-hmm. to. Of course. Everyone cal- calm everyone down. So it, would you anticipate both uh, not only the Oscars in the future, but also all uh, industry award shows like the Oscars going hostless? Or do you think it's only because it's this year, right after the timing with Kevin Hart, right after, you know, of course, the Oscars is the biggest production of an awards show for the movie industry of all of them. Do we think this is something to expect in the future as a regular thing? I don't think it'll be a regular thing. I believe the reason they're going hostless this year is just because of like the tight turnaround. They didn't have enough time to find a suitable host. I feel like for average viewers, part of the draw of watching these award shows are the hosts. So, so if they like recognize the host, they'll be more willing to tune in and watch the award shows. Definitely. So, so I feel like the hostless, it won't become a trend. Yeah, I agree to that. Also, I know um, a big thing is... Uh, the Oscars usually run for three plus hours, and they really want to cut back on that. So their big thing was trying to get more people to watch, and shortening the program. So I think this hostless thing might run along, trying to streamline the whole performance a little bit. Yeah, yeah. to All like shorten it a little. Yeah. Done. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, we're going to move on to the rest of our categories. This is going to be a speed round now. We by no means are going to spend the same amount of time as we have on individual categories in the past because now these are some of the more niche but also equally important uh, categories when it comes to the production of any film. Um, and, to, and so to start off, we're actually going to talk about a film itself as a category. This is the animated feature film category. And we hit on a little bit the, the recent release of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as perhaps being what many consider... Um, perhaps controversially, to be the greatest superhero movie of all time, let alone animated superhero film of all time. Josh, what is your position on that take, as well as the entire category and its nominees? So first we'll run through the nominees. We have five nominees. We have The Incredibles 2, the follow-up to Disney's highly popular Incredibles. We have Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, this was actually a really good year for animated movies. Great year. <laughs> all, the, all the movies nominated have an 88% or higher approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and they all succeeded very, fi- uh, very well financially. Um, Mirai is actually a foreign film. It's Japanese, yet it still made $27 million at the box office. And The Incredibles 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse were all blockbusters. But yeah, like you said, my prediction is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's won many of the awards, winning Best Animated Feature at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes. It's received phenomenal reviews, 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 97% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So Spider-Man is my pick. Now I gotta nail you down. Is this the greatest superhero movie of all time? Well, you're gonna throw me under the bus here because yeah. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, so, I don't either, so, you know, I'm just hearing what other people so, are saying. I don't know if it'll be better than The Dark Knight, which is my personal favorite superhero movie, mm. but from the things I've heard, it definitely has a shot. Susan, what is your stance on that hot take, as well as uh, the category as a whole? Well, I do think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to win. Um, I feel like it did have it did change animated movies in a way, and also against some of its competitors like Incredibles 2 and Wreck-It Ralph, it isn't a sequel, so mm. I feel like if that might damage those two. And I have to disagree. I don't think it's the best superhero movie. Um, there's some really good superhero movies out. Um, I think my favorites consist of like Civil War um, and the Marvel film. 
Marvel film yeah. Civil War. Um, uh, Logan, um, Winter Soldier was also really good. Not even cracking the top three. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure that the uh, people behind Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse are quite disappointed, but I'm sure they would be equally thrilled if they came out with a victory in this category. Moving on now to cinematography. Josh, I know this is your passion and perhaps a uh, career path for you. You want to talk about the uh, the candidates for this award as well as your prediction? Definitely. So the candidates for cinematography are Cold War, The Favorite, Never Look Away, Roma, and A Star is Born. Now, I've, I've seen three of these films. I've seen The Favorite, Roma, and A Star is Born, and easily the one that stood out the most to me, cinematography-wise, was Roma. It was shot in black and white, mm. but the way they shot it, it felt like it was in color just because the way they pulled off the camera moves and the contrast, it felt so alive and so colorful while still maintaining just a two-color palette. So I'd have to give Roma the nod there. Yeah, I agree, uh, Roma, who um, the cinematographer is actually Alfonso Cuaron, uh, which is also the director who I think is also going to end up taking home the award for best director. Now, Susan, what do you think of that artistic move to go black and white throughout the entirety of the film? Do you think it'll pay off? I think it's an interesting choice, um, especially for, I think it's for like the mood of the film. Uh, it takes place in... The 1970s, uh, it was take place in Mexico during the 1970s when there was a lot of political unrest there. So I think it has to, it reflects the story well. So. Yeah. And Roma actually served as a bit of like, it was a very personal story for the director Alfonso Coron and reflected a lot of what his childhood was like. So the movie mm. kind of serves as one big memory mm. by the director. And I'd also like to point out that Cold War, which also got nominated, is also shot in black and white. Interesting. So two films in the same category, going back to uh, the ancient times of black and white so long ago. <laughs> Just kidding. Moving on to uh, directing now. Susan, you want to talk about the uh, nominees and your predicted winner? Um, the nominees include uh, Spike Lee for Black's Klansman, um, the director of Cold War, um, The Favorite, uh, Roma, and Vice. Um, I personally think Alfonso Cuaron is going to win. Um, he's won all the big award shows this season so far. Um, and I do like to mention that oh, we already mentioned about uh, Bradley Cooper not being nominated. Um, what do you think, Josh? Yeah, I agree with you. Alfonso Cuaron took home the awards at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes, so I feel like he's the clear-cut favorite to win this award. I'd also like to point not out... the favorite, the film. Yes, not the favorite, <laughs> the film. The favorite, as in the most likely to win Best Director. I'd like to point out that Spike Lee got his first nomination for Best Director, which he's been working in the industry for over 20 years at Quite this point. Yes, so th he's finally getting his respect in the industry. But I'd also like to point out that we touched on this earlier, I believe, that Bradley Cooper, who directed A Star is Born, did not get a nomination for Best Director. Neither did Damien Chazelle or Barry Jenkins. So some notable snubs in this category. All right, that brings us to Adapted Screenplay. Excuse me. Uh, Josh, who do you think is the favorite out of this category? Now for Adapted Screenplay, we have The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. My prediction for this category would have to be if Beale Street could talk. 
the director Barry Jenkins adapted this from the, the novel novel of the same name by James Baldwin written in 1974. The screenplay won the best adapted screenplay at the Critics' Choice Awards, so I believe that will take home the trophy Oscar night. Um I'm going to have to disagree with that. I actually Ooh, think... Oh, our first disagreement on the podcast. Look at that. Um, I think Black Klansman might take home best uh, screenplay, and I think it'll give Mike Lee's long overdue win. Um, but if Beale Street Could Talk is, uh, is up there for it as well. Spike Lee, of course, for our sports fans out there. The, uh, the, the rabid New York Knicks fan. Uh, rest in peace, New York Knicks. Hopefully they have a bright future, except if it collides with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, original screenplay. Uh, Josh, you want to talk about the differences between that category and adapted screenplay, as well as the nominees for the category. So the difference between adapted screenplay and original screenplay, it's really pretty simple. Adapted screenplay is based off of a previous work, whether it be a play or a movie or another book, um, wh whereas original screenplay is the author's own creation, although it can be based on actual events. It's just not based on another piece of art. So the nominees for original screenplay this year are The Favorite, First Reformed, Green Book, Roma, and Vice. Now, now I was happy to see that First Reformed got an original screenplay nomination. It wasn't really expected to, so I'm glad it got, got one there. But I believe that Green Book will take home the original screenplay award because it won best original screenplay at the golden globes however due to the controversy surrounding green book and its screenwriter um that could affect it somehow but i'm still going with green book um i'm actually gonna have to go with the favorite um like you said the controversy behind the screenwriter might really affect it um the oscars are just as much political behind the scene as it is the art on the screen mm. and uh, i don't know i think the favorite is if anything gonna come on top sweet and so that brings us now to film editing this is our uh fifth from the end category that we'll be talking about susan you want to hit on the the nominees for film editing as well as your prediction for the award okay and for the people that are directed for film editing includes black Klansman, bohemian rhapsody the favorite green book and vice um, for this, I personally think it could be anyone from the favorite Black Klansman or Vice. Um, I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards Black Klansman. Josh, do you agree, disagree, uh, or believe it's a total toss-up and have no clue? Well, it really is a toss-up. In previous categories, we relied on the other previous award shows for really guidance on who would be the favorite, no pun intended. Uh -huh. um, but I'm going with the favorite because it was nominated for film editing at the Critics' Choice Awards. And I know, Susan, we've talked about this. You really didn't like the ending of the favorite, but I really like the scene. It ends, I don't know if I want to spoil it for the, for the viewers, but it ends on a really cool transition where you see a bunch of rabbits which served as symbolism for the film. So I really like that Some ending. Editing there, Some huh? pr pretty cool stylistic choices that they did. So I'll have to go with the favorite, but it really is a toss-up. I do have to say Black Klansman, though. Um, the editor had the tricky um, thing of shifting the movie from the 70s where it w the movie was set 
to the present day situations with uh, Charlottesville and stuff. So, mm. and they did a phenomenal job with it. So, that's why I think Black Klansmen might get it. Sweet. And moving on now to music original score. Susan, what do you think about this category, all of the uh, various nominations and the various films, as well as let's nail down a prediction? Um, well, uh, the original score includes Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, and Mary Poppins Returns. And I bet Josh wants to talk about the one that was predicted to win before the nominations came out Oof. and then wasn't even nominated. Oof. Yes, I am one of the biggest Damien Chazelle fans in the planet, and his film, First Man, which is about Neil Armstrong, won the original score award at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes, yet did not even receive a nomination. So that that is a travesty, in my opinion. And the person who composed that was Justin Hortz, um, who won a few years ago for La La Land. Interesting. So who do we believe the favorite out of this category will be? I believe it's going to be Black Pan- uh, Black Panther. Uh, he created a iconic score for the movie. I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to have to go with If Beale Street Could Talk. That movie, which takes place during the 70s, I believe, it really s- the score set the mood for the whole for the whole film, and it really made it feel like a dream. Combined with the colors of the film, but the visuals combined with the phenomenal score just really added to the film, so I'm going to have to go with If Beale Street Could Talk. And similarly to music original score, our next category is music original song. Josh, who do you believe will come out on top on this one? Well, the nominees are All the Stars, I'll Fight, The Place Where Lost Things Go, Shallow, and When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings. And the clear favorite is Shallow, performed by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, I believe, from Star is Born. It won Best Original Song at the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes and is by far the favorite to win the Oscar. I agree to that. Also, it's probably going to be a very um, look forward to performance on Oscar night. Mm. All right, now that was quick and easy. And moving on to hopefully our final two quick and easy categories, sound editing and sound mixing. Susan, what are your thoughts on the nominees here? Um, I'm actually really excited for these two categories. <laughs> Bring it out. Let's see it. <laughs> Which is <laughs> Let's hear the love. Um, but I definitely think for sound editing, at least, uh, First Man has the best chance of winning. Um, but I do want to mention A Quiet Place was nominated. And um, A Quiet Place, like the sound, or in the case, lack of sound, mm. runs this whole movie and, True. and does a phenomenal job with it. Yeah, my, my pick was A Quiet Place for sound editing. Now, that was a tough one. I didn't know if the lack of sound would help or hurt the film, but I, I, I think I err towards the side of help, so I think A Quiet Place is my prediction for sound editing. And surprisingly, it didn't get a nomination for sound mixing, which confuses me a little bit, but I'll have to go with that for sound editing. And moving right on to sound mixing, uh, Josh, you want to talk about all the nominees and lack of nominees, and then make a prediction. So, the nominees for sound mixing are Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, Roma, and A Star is Born. And this one's really a toss-up because, like I said with the film editing, it really isn't a category for other major awards shows. So we don't have a lot of other shows to base our predictions off of. But for this, I'll have to go with Black Panther just because of the setting and all that and how they had to coordinate all the different sounds and mix those together in the film. So I'll go with Black Panther. 
I'm going to have to go with First Man again. Um, I believe that one has the best chance. Um, but I do want to point out Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born both had to do very tricky uh, live concert scenes, and I think both of them did a great job. So, if, But I definitely thank First Man. So as we've now wrapped up our individual conversations about individual categories, I'd now like to tradition to confidence picks. How confident are you in, I don't know, let's, let's say, give me your top three most confident choices of our winners throughout all of the various categories we talked about. I know there were a couple locks that we mentioned throughout the, throughout the podcast, but give me your top three. Uh, Josh, why don't you go first? All right, let's go through these here. I believe I'm most confident in Shallow winning Best Original Song. I think Best Supporting Actor, I think Mahershala Ali has that virtually locked up too, so that'll be my second. And just... Oh, I also forgot Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Never mind. I'll put that as my number two. And mm. Mahershala Ali at number three, so those are my top three. Um, I agree. Shallow's pretty confident on that one. Um, I think Alfonso Cuaron for uh, directing. I'm pretty confident with him as well. And... I'd also have to agree with, of course, Spider-Man and Mahershala Ali. But I think Best Picture and the uh, most of the acting categories are pretty up in the air. Hmm. And it's kind of exciting for this season. Should Usually it's very predictable. And Yeah, so it should make for a very exciting night. Uh, overall, would you both agree that it was a pretty exciting uh, movie season throughout the year? Um, I do agree. It was uh, pretty exciting. Um. A lot of them very heavily with social messages. Um, I think, like, for example, A Star is Born. Um, it a lot had of social a, media in there as well. It was social <laughs> media, but I think... The, um, the support from uh, viewers all over the nation. Yeah, I got huge support from, like, The Box and all that. But it started off when it came out in October with huge Oscar hype. And I think through the award season, it has very steadily has gone down and mm. i think because all these other movies these phenomenal movies with very heavy social messages to them mm-hmm. came out and made a star is born kind of just a love story and people <laughs> were just like yeah josh do you agree with that assessment i do agree the hype for stars born was astronomical when it first came out and people thought lady gaga was was a lock to be best actress but as we've gone through awards season and all the other award shows come out the hype for that's kind of died down and also it's only january 24th we have a month until the oscars so all our predictions now could be radically different by the time it comes around we have the screen actors guild awards we have the the baftas the british association film and television awards to look forward to so definitely do your own research keep a lookout but <laughs> as as of the this the time of this recording um our predictions hold true of course, this podcast coming out just days after the uh, the nominations release. That's why we're coming to you now with these predictions. Now I'd like to uh, transition. We've been talking a lot about our predictions for who's going to win all the categories. It's been totally Oscar-focused. Uh, my last question to you both. With the, uh, the exciting film season and with your roles at AMC seeing so many films, I want you to just forget about all of the artistic elements, I suppose, maybe include it in your answer. Uh, forget about all of the... Uh, the, the politics behind the films, and just give me straight up your top five films of the year. Doesn't have to be mentioned at all in this podcast so far. Just give me top five or top three or top whatever number you want of uh, films that you've seen this year. Doesn't have to be in order either. Just give me what were your favorite films that you've seen so far. Um, I was actually talking about this recently for 2018. Um, 
I love movies that are entertaining. So movies that I look forward to rewatching. Um, so my favorite have to include Bohemian Rhapsody, um, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, um, Avengers Infinity War. Um, I shamelessly love uh, Peter Rabbit that came out earlier this year. Mm. <laughs> and Big Oscar favorite. Just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Got totally snubbed. No. <laughs> um, and um, it's a pretty solid list right there. Yeah, can't think of anything else. My top five. Three of my top five were actually got nominated for quite a few things here. Um, so I saw the favorite last weekend and. That movie, it's very strange. It's not for everyone. The director, Yorgos Lanthimos, is quite known for his abstract sort of approach to filmmaking. But I really enjoyed it. It was weird, but it was funny. And the performances were phenomenal. I also really enjoyed If Beale Street Could Talk. I love the whole aesthetic of the whole film. And it was just truly a really heartbreaking and emotional film. But it was really good. First Man, it was a really, really good look into the life of Neil Armstrong and people know him about know, know about him because of the moon landing, but this film really dives deeper into the man himself. And then the two films that are on my top five but did not get nominated are Mid-90s by Jonah Hill and Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham. Mm. Mid-90s had a really, really cool aesthetic to it. It looked like it was shot in the 90s with the way they did the aspect ratio with the coloring and the wonderful set design. And in Jonah Hill's directorial debut, he really did a good job with that. And Bo Burnham, famous YouTube comedian, his directorial debut, 8th grade. It received really good reviews. I was hoping that it would have gotten an Oscar nomination for at least original screenplay because mm -hmm. people praised his screenplay a lot, but it didn't. But it was just a really good film about, about middle school, 8th grade, but it also applies to people of all ages. It talks about anxiety and also about how social media affects our culture today so i really recommend that film so those are my top five so i agree with sorry, the no. uh eighth grade i'd love to see bo burnham get a nomination do you think he'll have uh, success in the future um i think if he's still writing i i hope to see more of his stuff i believe he's currently working on a script for paramount right now so there in a few go. years that's exciting so uh josh you brought up how uh, first man was really a great look inside the life of neil armstrong uh, hopefully this podcast for all you listeners out there has been a great inside look uh, into this award season with the Oscars coming up exactly one month from now. Any last thoughts you want to throw out there, both uh, Susan and Josh? Any last uh, comments you'd like to make or uh, questions for our audience to ponder? Um, Feel like we fit on everything pretty well? We want to wrap it up? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, cool. Well, thanks once again to both of you. This has been uh, Josh Ho and Susan Schmidt coming in with their uh, expert takes on the Oscar season. Uh, hopefully we'll see uh, some of their predictions come to fruition. I know they also have an uh, article coming out in our school newspaper next week. Very excited to see that. Um, and thank you both once again for joining me on this episode of The Howl. Thanks for listening to the conversation I had yesterday with senior Susan Schmidt and junior Josh Ho. Two talented students who I consider to be film industry experts and I know I learned a lot from through our discussion about the Oscars. Be sure to listen in on our next released episode in which I host guests who I'm sure you'll all be entertained listening to. But that's it for today. I'm Carter Zagorski and this is The Howl, the very first podcast which you can call your own. <laughs>